Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me, See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job, this is a calling. Hello, this is uh, Stuart Roberts and uh, Hear Me, See Me podcast. And today is only the second time I've had someone on a return visit. Um, and it's, it's one of these unique things about the situation we're in. Um, it's a really good friend of mine who I've never met. And that's because... Um, we're having to do everything online and by phone and, you know, sometimes you reach out to someone or you, you come across someone and when you meet or you, you talk, there's a real connection there. And, and I found this with uh, my next guest, who is Gary Gill. Hello, Gary. Hello, sure. Nice to talk to you again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's odd, isn't it? You know, like, like I said, it's... You, you can sort of have a real firm connection with someone, and in the past you would have to meet them, wouldn't you? You don't seem to be like that now. Yeah, I think you, you just feel that there's a, some, a certain kind of energy between two people yeah. that just kind of clicks in, and you know that it's you yeah. know that it's all good, don't you? You know, yeah. and you know that yeah. there's something there, there's something yeah. that maybe you don't need to meet to actually know there's yeah. a great connection. Yeah. So. Uh, today, because uh, previously Gary spoke to me, and um, before we begin, uh, you know, I'll clarify, you know, we, we spoke about his amazing career and things. But it's often what happens is once the the, the call stops taping, is is then the, the conversation begins, and we found out we had a lot in common. Um, my um, part of my journey is the where people do know some people that I'm 14 years sober. Um, I've struggled with I've struggled with things all of my life that sometimes have um, helped me, but a lot of the time have hindered me to the point where I had to change my life. Um, it was, you know, I, the big struggle I had was with alcohol. It then went into drugs, and but you know, the base the basic thing was that um, I, I, my addictions were just ruining my life and. It got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore, and I had to change. And that was like 14 years ago. Um, and now uh, I try to live my life differently, um, and it's something that me and Gary spoke about. Um, mm-hmm. So, my friend, um, you know, over over to you. What, what? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's funny you say you're 14 years sober because I'm exactly 14 years sober as well. Really? And I think we're I think we're more or less the same age. Yeah. It'll take a few months, so it's a very yeah. kind of and had a hairdressing career. Yeah. So, I mean, really for me, it was, it was so nice when we got to talk about that. And, you know, as we've spoke before, sure, I am really nervous about doing this. And, yeah, I know. you know, for, for the first time I've ever talked about it publicly. But I feel like it's a really good time to talk about it. And, you know, in the past for me, it's always been on a need-to-know basis. But I don't feel like that anymore. You know, the last maybe five or six years, I haven't, I haven't really felt so worried about it. You know, I've been a lot more you know, felt a lot more proud of my journey and not that kind of slight underlying feeling of shame. And it, it's certainly not a poor me story by any stretch of the imagination. And it's not a blood and gut story. You know, it's, for me, it was quite a simple process. Um, and I think getting sober from, you know, problems with drugs and alcohol was, was the best thing I've ever done in my life. I'd say one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, if not the hardest thing, but the best thing. And for me personally, and it's only my personal experience, it's the thing that made my career. Um, And I'm not saying for any stretch of the imagination that you have to be 
sober to be successful because that is not that is not my message. Um, it's just a message of maybe strength and hope if anybody is struggling with addiction or, you know, any kind of mental health issues that's related to drugs and alcohol. And you know what, so I don't know about you, but I still really, I love being in atmospheres where people are having a good time and, you know, enjoying themselves. And I'm, I'm totally comfortable around people when they're drinking and having a good time. I mean, I don't want someone all up in my face, you know, when they're completely off their head. I mean, that goes to a different yeah. level. But I, I still like to see people having a good time. And yeah. I'd never, yeah. I'd not that person who would ever look down on that, you know. No. Because, you know, my, I had a great time. I had a really great time. Yeah. The majority of it, it was great. It was only in the end when it kind of turned in on itself that it, it wasn't so great. And um, I think that that's, it's really important for me to remember that I had a great time and it kind of made me, you know, when I look at it as a journey going backwards, it made me who I am today. And, and to a certain extent, I've got a lot of gratitude for that. I wouldn't say I'd rather that hadn't have happened with certain experiences in certain periods of time and I wish yeah. that it wasn't happening. But overall, it kind of, for me, it made me the rounded or my aim to be the rounded person who I am or I, I'm trying to be still, you know, there's still work to do. We've all got still a bit of work to do. Well, I, I do anyway to be the best version of myself. So, I mean, that's, that was, that's kind of how I feel about it. I am very kind of light about it. I'm not kind of one of these heavy people. I was lying in the gutter being eaten to death by rats. You know, it's yeah. not, that's not my experience. I, I right. kind of got sober in a, a privileged environment which I'm very very grateful for because you know I'm very very aware of a lot of the people that you work with um, and come to the centres aren't or don't have that kind of privilege to to get better or no. are able to get better so I'm very, very very have a huge amount of gratitude and I suppose I, you know, growing up, I was I was painfully shy and just generally inherently unconfident. You know, a combination of those two things, and I was kind of felt on the outside of things. You know, and when I, I, you know, when I entered my young teenage years, I kind of had this feeling I wanted to rebel. And you know, back in the, you know, like seventies, it was it was easy to go and drink when you were 13 or 14. If you looked old enough, you could drink, you know. So I was going to punk gigs and, you know, bars and parties and clubs in, on the south coast in Brighton where I lived, and it was very easy to drink. And as soon as I discovered alcohol, I turned into the person that basically I wanted to be. Um, you know, all of that kind of confidence and, you know, came and the shyness went away and, it kind of felt like everything came into sharp focus. All of a sudden, all those like worries and concerns were gone, and I was kind of living life. And I thought, "Wow, this is great! This this like magic potion is is yeah. doing the job." You know, it's 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 good stuff. You know, so it kind of you know that whole kind of you know getting involved with the music scene and youth culture and belonging to kind of gangs, and I was hanging out with like you know boys who were older than me, and you know obviously alcohol and drugs was kind of all part of that scene and you know it, as you I'm sure you all know sure that those kind of early days you think well this is amazing what what's there not to like about this you know but yeah. as all these things you know I went to America when I was young my cousins lived in Detroit you know which was quite a, which was a tough city and they were experimenting with drugs and you know it was kind of it all just started seeping into my life everywhere I went it was seeping into my life and I was getting into a lot of trouble and you know, things went really, really particularly wrong. So I kind of relocated from the south coast to London. And, um, you know, I started hairdressing quite soon. And, of course, as I'm sure you know, Stuart, I mean, hairdressers have got a shocking <laughs> reputation. Yeah. Shocking reputation. I don't know what it, what it is. Maybe we just have to... <laughs> yes, you uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I suppose it's that kind of... We have to give a lot of ourselves, you know, we're all yeah. a bit mental, aren't we? I mean, you've got yeah, to be mental, haven't you, to yeah. do hair. And I think that, you know, I went to work in an amazing salon, but everyone was like, 
you know, mad, you know, and there's all yeah. sorts of carry-on going on. It was crazy, and I, I, I don't know how I really got through my training, really, to be honest with you, you know. But, you know, it's like, I was like, you know, 18, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, 18, 19, and it was, it, it was easy to... Stay up all night and drink and take drugs and go to a party and then come and work the next day. It seems easy, you know. And um, yeah. but there was there was something inside of me even then that kind of there was this little kind of thing thinking this ain't quite right, you know. There's something not quite right even at that age, you know. But you know, it. I suppose the you know, you just kind of brush it away, don't you? You keep going, and it was still kind of working for me. I'd like, gone from this person who was couldn't really speak into, like, life and soul of the party, you know, and um, loving that attention, I suppose, I got, I got from it. But um, I suppose I was 21 when... 21... Yeah, nearly 22 when I had my own salon, and I suppose that focused me for a little... quite a few years. And it, I was still drinking, I was still partying, but the salon definitely kind of like pulled me in, kind of reined it in a little bit. And I became, I suppose, you know what it's like, so you had your own salon, didn't you, for, yeah. for even longer than I did. And yeah. I, I ended up using alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism to, I suppose, it went from having fun to dealing with the stresses of running a salon, which, you know, as I mentioned in my last podcast with you, became you know, really successful and it yeah. became a big, a big kind of a big business. And I, I definitely used drugs and alcohol to keep me on top of it, which led to kind of other addictions that like over the counter, uh, painkillers, which was an issue for a long time. So I was kind of like running between those kind of three things to keep me, keep me on top of everything. And then of course, you know, in the nineties, the rave scene kicked in, which was, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, I mean, there couldn't have been anything really worse than that um, yeah. to come in. And um, I, of course, you know, like you know, the person I am, I got fully involved in that in every shape and form. Yeah. You know, me and my brother were DJing. We had our own record label. You know, and <laughs> I, I'd, I'd let the salons have records delivered to the shop. You know, distributors coming to pick them up, and we were always, you know driving to different places at night, DJing, and then coming back in the morning. And, you know, it was full on. And yeah. it was, you know, i got to say, I look back at it now with the utmost nostalgia. And yeah. it was it was incredible. It was so much fun. But, you know, you know, when ecstasy and cocaine and yeah. all those other kind of drugs came into it, you know, everything started getting really, really messy. And, you know, I, I, I've loved me being me. I kind of stuck with it and <laughs> just kind yeah. of carried on. But... I could feel it starting to turn. We're very diligent. Me, you know? We do stick yeah. to these things. That's, that's yeah, no grey areas. No grey <laughs> no, areas. No. So, <laughs> you know, and I suppose, you know, coming out the other side of the rave scene, and I suppose, yeah. God, I, you know, it's so funny. I, I was at a meeting like a few years ago, and people, the, there was a bit of a lull in the meeting, and I think the art director said, oh, Gary, were you Blur or Oasis? And I said, I don't know, I don't know anything about that. I was off my head on, you know, drugs <laughs> listening to techno. I didn't, I didn't know anything about that Britpop thing. I'm just only getting into it now. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was completely lost in another world. But of yeah. course, you know, I came out the other side of that and, you know, I wasn't in a good place and I realised how much I'd been using that scene, um, the drugs, the alcohol of a way of, of coping with everything, you know, and... You know, it, it all kind of went to the next level, really. And, you know, the, my salon business got bigger and, the you know, the, the party scene was, was still happening. And I just started getting to this point where I was, you know, I don't know about you, Stuart, but I found that, and I'm sure other people listening, I, I, I stopped, started going the other way. I wanted to drink on my own. I wanted yeah. to take drugs on my own. I just wanted to get the deal done. I didn't want to bother with the you know, socialising and all the rest of it. And I think, for me, when it started taking that turn, that's when I knew there was yeah. a problem. And I had a very, very dear friend of mine, and she's still a very dear friend of mine, and, you know, due to reasons of anonymity, I won't say her name, no. but she knows who she is. But yeah. um, she was fantastic in her... You know, she, she got sober 10 years before me, and for that right. 10 years, I just used to look at all the time and think, I want... 
you know, we were drinking buddies, you know, and yeah. she could drink under the table and she was like in a, she got herself in a serious mess. And I, I used to look at her and think, yeah, I want, I want a bit of that. But 10 years it took me to go to her and go, you know what's happening with you? I want a bit of that. It took me 10 years. And I think I was in Spain. I was on holiday with my then girlfriend and I'd spent, I don't know, um, went on holidays was a, you know, as a functioning alcoholic, I never missed work before. Um, You know, I worked in a mess, but I never missed work. Um, But when I went on holiday, I would be up in nine, have a bit of breakfast. I'd be down in a bar by 10 and I stayed there until it was, you know, not either not possible to walk anymore or it was time to, I got kicked out, you know, and everything was kind of based around that. And I remember getting to go home on the plane that night and thinking, I can't get on the plane. I'm just in too much of a mess, too much of a state to get home on the plane. And uh, I went back into the airport. I went to the bar, had a whole pint of vodka poured, like you can in Spain. They just keep pouring, don't they, till you stop. And I just put that down me, and that enabled me to get on the plane. And I was on the plane. I was having panic. I was in a horrible mess. I I think that was my kind of, breaking point you know when you wake up the next day yeah. and think no this this is this is not a good space i was just you know two weeks of solid drinking you know and just in a horrible horrible space and my then girlfriend uh, was she was um, she was pretty amazing uh, and you know i've got to give a shout out to her in terms of the fact that she was very kind of helpful in getting me sober in a very gentle way and helping facilitate it in terms of speaking to the right people and things like that and my yeah. other good friend who you know was already sober you know we started going to meetings and you know I went to I was doing kind of a day release rehab and so on and so forth and I and I kind of got sober you know with the kind of the effort and energy that I'd got myself in that state already <laughs> so yeah. you know I kind of put all that effort to getting you know sober and this particular friend of mine said to me I don't know about you, but after six months, I said, look, I'm all good. I've got this. Yeah. I'm sorted. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> the classic six months. <laughs> yeah, I don't need any help. I'm sorted. I'm sober. All right? You lot get on with it. I'm fine. And she, she said to me, you, you know, this is, you'll need five years to work out, you know, what's going on yeah. in your head and then another five years to know how to deal with that. And I said, what, 10 years? I said, no, don't be daft. I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. It's all right, fine, whatever. But she was still very supportive, and she was very, very supportive. I've got to say, and I, I've got a lot to thank her for. And I don't think I would have got sober without her. And my family were very supportive as well. And the slight caveat to this, which um, was kind of, I suppose, the saddest part of this all, my younger brother. Um, he was, you know, he was always quite an unusual boy when he growing up and he was an unusual kid when he was young and he definitely had mental health issues and um you know he started drinking and taking drugs and they became like his own medicine really yeah and it you know but it took him to a really bad place you know he was taking acid and you know smoking really heavy skunk and all sorts and he you know as i said it for him it was like a medicine it was the thing that kind of kept him normal but unfortunately, you know, his mental health deteriorated so badly and it became a little bit, you know, that chicken or egg, you know, when you're not yeah. sure whether, you know, the, the mental health issue was there and then the drugs and alcohol were kind of making him better for a while and then it took his mental health to the next level. Yeah. And he unfortunately got sectioned many times and we ended up losing him due to, due to that, which was, you know, very, very sad situation and he was only in his early 30s and it was very very hard to see that it was very hard to see my parents suffer with the pain of that um and not really i don't think fully understand what had happened what's that sorry to interrupt gary but what hmm. what stage was you at when you lost i i was about a year and a half sober at this point so it was it was tough i could have i could have jumped into you know, getting in a really bad place. Oh, yeah. it's all about me. Poor me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I really was determined to be present. I was really determined to be there for my parents yeah. and do at least at this point, do what I could to make him or, or you know, to, uh, to live 
to, to do something on his behalf in terms of, yeah. you know, making sure my parents were good with it and, well, not good with it, but I was there for them. I didn't, yeah. you know, as all kind of addictive characters end up, it's like, poor me, I'm going to make this about me. What about, it's a big yeah. shame for me when I really didn't, I wanted to be there for my parents, you know, and I yeah. suppose that, that was, you know, a, a year and a half in was one of those real crucial points where I could have really gone off, but I didn't, and I stuck with it, and I was there for my parents, and, yeah. you know, my career as a session hairdresser was taking off, and um, I was, you know, I was doing well. It was, you know, as I said earlier, I didn't want to, I don't, this isn't about I did well because I was sober, I think. No. Or I'm, you know, I, I think I was, you know, I was kind of on a good path. But for me, it helped. I was dealing it with everything with a, with a clear head. I was dealing with everything in real time, and I'm sure you can validate that. So, you know, dealing with life on life terms as a sober person can be very difficult in those early years. You know, so. I could, uh, I, sorry, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but I've got to no, share no, this don't. with you. Is that mm. nine months in? We had you just. I'm, I'm, I really wanted to just let you go with it, but our journeys are no. so similar along the way. Yeah. Nine months in, I lost my dad. Oh, and right. it was such okay. a crucial mm -hmm. time. Nine months yeah. in was so difficult to... Uh, and I remember the the day... Um, I remember the day when was in uh, sort of, early, you know, sort of lunchtime-ish. And that night I went to a meeting and I just had the calmness to just say, oh, I lost my dad today. And it came out like that. You know, it was like, and mm. I just know the alternative would have been straight down the path, poor me, yeah. poor me. Um, you know, like, let's, you know, like, uh, no one could blame me, you know. It's, and if, if I'm really, and uh, well, I'll say if I'm honest, I'm always trying to be as honest as I can. Yeah. Uh, that was my first thought. My first thought was, oh, well, no one would blame me. And that was my oh. first instinct. No one would blame me if I, if I go and do that now. Mm -hmm. It's a, and it's that only that lucky enough. I had enough of it in me to to just to, to say no. It's going to make it worse, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I had exactly then, the same experience. Yeah. I, I thought that was my, you know, as you said. I mean, this is all about honesty, and yeah, that was exactly my first thought when my mum phoned yeah. me up and told me, I'm like, right, I'm standing in the street, I'm standing in Oxford Circus, looking around, thinking, right, I know where the nearest pub is. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. This is a red, this is a, a kind of a green light to go and do that. Yeah. <laughs> but the, all of a sudden, this moment of clarity came. I was like, no, this, you know, yeah. you, you get get on the train, get home, you know, get your head together, and you yeah. need to be be there for them and and take care of yourself as well through this. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I totally understand that kind of. What, what you were going through at that time, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we, were talk, we went on to kind of, you, you started talking about NA and AA and, you know, meetings yeah. and stuff. And, you know, my experience was kind of mixed. I had, you know, my, my really good friend took me to meetings and yeah. I, I I struggled with it. I knew, I felt for me it was like bad medicine. I hated the taste of it. But <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was doing me good. You know, it was, that's how I felt about it. It was like, yeah. Because everything about this, <laughs> I hate, but yeah, I, I'm, it's good for me, and yeah. it was, you know. And without out, I most probably wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah. you know. But I was a shocker. I wouldn't do the work. I really no, I kind of fought, <laughs> fought against it, you know, that rebellious spirit. I, I'm, not, I'm not like this. I'm not, and I, of course I was, you know. So, yeah. but you know, it, it did. It it was the thing that got me through, along with the support of you know, my friends and family, which I was yeah, cool. grateful for all of that. So, you know, for me, it was, I suppose my experience was very much about, you know, getting sober in a, in a privileged environment. It was yeah. being sober from a kind of a, a wild youth, young years, you know, which turned into coping mechanisms. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I'd say when I look back now, you know, when whenever people say to me, "Oh, so what? What? What's you know? What's been the best part of your career?" and I can really, you know, ninety-nine percent of the time, I, the first thing that comes into my head was feel like saying, "Yeah, I got sober," and I think you know yes. that's, you know, I don't say that, but 
I suppose yeah. I really, I really, really want to, and I think it kept me on a, it's kept me on a very kind of clean path to manage to be the person I want. And I think, you know, the last maybe 10, 15 years, I, I have eventually turned into the person I always thought I wanted to be and the best version of myself and accepting the faults and, you know, just working with them and not, I think I always wanted to try and be something that I wasn't and try and, you know, had this kind of vision of how I should be. And, you know, I think that, that kind of all gets mixed up in that. And I think I thought alcohol and drugs made me that person, but it completely didn't, you know? So, um, as I said, it's it's a it's not a big blood and guts story. It's quite a simple story, but I feel it's a story that has served me well to keep reminding me of how important it is to take care of your head, you know. And mm. you know, there's so many issues right now around mental health and yeah, and how that kind of has been manifesting itself, especially over the last few months while we've been in lockdown. You know, there's been some terrible stories about you know, how where people have gone with this, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, working with the people that you work with at all the centres, that you must, it must be a kind of a, a, a kind of a, whenever you're working, a complete reminder of where you could have gone or where yeah. we could have gone and how close we are to that and how important it is that anybody in any walk of life, if you're able to, is to be able to ask for help and reach out and get the help you need. And there is no shame in asking for help whatsoever, you know, which I guess in a certain way, you know, all the people coming to the, the centres where you and your volunteers work are, are, are kind of, I suppose, do you feel like that's part of what happens when they when they're coming to have the haircut or you know i think there's the the you're absolutely right it, um that's where my love of what i do comes from is that um my understanding of, of that is me it's it's almost like looking into a, an alternative it's the sliding doors film and i'm thinking yeah you know every time i meet every one of these guys um i can really relate to them very, very deeply because I was so far down that road myself. And as you said, you get off at certain levels. You don't have to wait to be in the basement before you get off. You can get off halfway down, you know, the elevator yeah. and, and yeah. get off any time. I mean, you've said about your journey with, you know, like that yours is was almost like a privileged yeah. environment where you, but then having said that, it makes it no easier because so many people with the same environment don't make it so it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't make it an easier journey at all it, you know if anything sometimes it makes it more difficult because you see you know in my opinion because you you're almost like nearer to being whatever normal is you know that thing of yeah, uh, yeah you know and it's harder to i think the nearer you are to that weird thing called normal the harder it is to accept that you've got to make changes you know I mean yeah. when you frost everything it's quite it, it, you know even though you, people you, can't yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we was working with someone once and I'll never forget and he said and he, he kept coming back to us when we was working and he, he sort of started off and he, he He'd split up with his wife, and then he come to, you know, but he was, he was, he didn't have a problem, and then he came back about a year later, and he'd lost his business, but he didn't have a problem, no. and then finally he came back with a, with the old black plastic bag with his all his possessions in. Oh, okay. And he said to my friend, <laughs> my friend, I used to do stuff, with, and he said, and, and he said, well, you do realise you've got to stop drinking, and he said to my friend, what about my social life? <laughs> One <laughs> mate said to me, pretty dark, he's more direct than me, and he went, you're social off in that fucking black plastic bag, <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, and I love drink, I love humour, but it, it, yeah. it is, his denial can be so, oh, so no. deep, you know, like, and you yeah. sit again and again and again. Um, I mean, I've and, been denial for 20 years, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and that is the truth, 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, but you know, I mean, fourteen years of sobriety is, yeah. is kind of, you know, nearly, you know, 
that the amount of time I was in denial, I'm nearly kind of getting towards that, like doubling that time, you know. And I yeah. don't wish I'd done it any sooner. I don't know about you. No, it comes you when ready. it comes. It comes yeah. w- w- at the right time. And, you know, recently yeah. I had a friend telling me she was concerned about some of her family's kids who were drinking a lot at a yeah. young age and, you know, what, what could she do or they do? And I said, you know, it's out of your hands. That time yeah. will come when it comes. It might be three years. It might be 20 years. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and one's got to be yeah. ready for that. And I, I just don't, I never want ever to feel, or, or, you know, I think you're, you, you're really good. I love the way you talk about it, Stuart. I love the way you talk about your own <laughs> sobriety because it, for me, it's light and there is some yeah. humor there and there's humor that keeps it, um, like very real for me, you know, because the, yeah. the, the the most truest things are sometimes the funniest, aren't they? And I found, oh, cool. that, you know, when I think back, I, you know, my friend who um, was sober 10 years before me and we'd still very, very close. She lives, you know, just around the corner from me and we'd still yeah. talk about it and laugh so much yeah. about the madness and the fun of that madness. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to relive it, but no. it was a great, it was kind of a great memory until yeah. things got dark, you know, and yeah. I think it's very easy to get very heavy. I could get very heavy about the dark oh. times, but for me, I don't, I don't need to go there. You know, I kind of have to be selective with how I remember it and the yeah. good that it's done for me and my family and the relationships with my family yeah. and, and almost for me putting my brother's uh, death to, to a kind of a kind of to peace with, you know, and, yeah. and realize how much he was suffering. And I'm kind of, I was, I'm very proud of him. You know, I was very proud mm. of what he achieved as a young man, but also the fact that you know, he, he did what he had to do and, you know, whatever, anyway, you dress that up, you know, it's mm. still, you know, when I talk to my parents about my brother and talk about, you know, when he was, you know, before he was getting sectioned and we laugh so much at some of the mm. crazy things that he did. We laugh so much. Yeah. And that, that, it, 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 <laughs> you know, just thinking about it now makes, makes me laugh. And uh, I, I suppose there's, you know, you have to, you know, for me, I can't look at it in a very heavy, a heavy situation. I have to look at it with, you know, it, it gave me a lot of strength. It gave me a lot of hope. And it's mm. brought a lot of things. All, you know, I remember when I, I don't know, I used to, when I first used to go to meetings, uh, people used to say, oh, let me think of the cliche that was cliche saying, hey, hey, it was, uh, oh, you know, all your dreams will come true or something. Was it something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's all the thing of, and it, but we used to yeah. say as well that, that, that the people are on, they come in and after a few months, probably the six month mark, you know, people being on a pink fluffy cloud. Yes, um, that's it. And, and that's the thing, and it, it's it's okay, and you don't want to you don't want to rain on anyone's parade, but you do know that's going to pass, and then the reality of life comes in. Yeah, and it's it's you know, I think the best one of mine that the cliche is to think is is a bridge to normal living because I think yes. you know, and mm-hmm. as you've said, it, it, you know, the, the the sobriety the sobriety will not produce success. But it will stop you hindering. It will stop hindering you from achieving it. That's because the all the while, that's the way. Because it, it, the, the thing of it is, is we did all the things we did in spite of being the way we were. It wasn't because of it. It was in spite of it. You know um, how we functioned. Yeah. How, how, how we how we kept how we kept the business afloat during those times you know what we could have done you know what we could have done if we had the the, you know the capacity we've got now but all of that's irrelevant because it's 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 taken us to a place where we are now and the 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 great thing is um it's about attraction it's the law of attraction and you're not going to be attractive if you make people feel bad you know you're not going to and this is why i try and keep the humor I think the humour is, as you've said, is, is essential because I, I have to lift the mood a lot of the time because a lot of the time the stuff I'm dealing with is so heartbreaking that um, 
I, I often say I'm like the guy who walks around with the cad over him. I don't want to, you know, I'm like, oh, God, here you we come. Be that you know, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be that. And, and I am sometimes, and sometimes I have to be, but the other time, that's when I'll sabotage it with some humor because people can only take so much of the deep stuff, you know, and, yeah. and then, you know, but the real lessons come from the light stuff. People are drawn to light, not dark, you know. I think that's the bottom line of it. Yeah, uh, completely. And I, I think going back to, you know, what we were saying about that bridge to normal living, that was how, you know, recovery was for me. And that was my main, one of my main kind of, I suppose, lines, you know, my, you know, AANA lines with this is a bridge to normal living. I didn't really want to live in the problem. And no. also, you know, they said, oh, you know, when, when you get sober, all your dreams come true. And I used to think, oh, what a load of shit. Yeah, I mean, that, what a load of shit. That's you know, yeah. whatever. But I, it did. The bottom line yeah. is, it did. I've got to admit that it, 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 you know. <laughs> and the bridge to normal living for me was, it wasn't an easy bridge to cross, but I was no. determined to get across that. And yeah. I remember, um, I um, the first big kind of trip I went on for work. I'd just been sober about six months, and it. Back in then, in the kind of, you know, maybe it was the kind of early, I suppose it was about 2005, something 2006, something like that. And people were still doing long trips for fashion, you know, and it was a quite yeah. a big commercial job. And we went on a trip for a month and I thought, oh God, I'm going to be away from home for a month. No meetings. It's not going to be so easy to reach out. You know, phone signals yeah. weren't as good. We were in the mountains all over Europe. And, and of course, you know, you get a load of creative people on a bus traveling yeah. around Europe. It was carnage, absolute <laughs> carnage. Yeah. You know, the producer was like <laughs> shagging one of the models. You know, they were taking drugs. Everyone was drunk all the time. And it was just like hell. <laughs> yeah. Hell. And yeah. Every night after dinner, I used to sneak to my room and I was kind of could feel myself like, holding onto the side of the bed with yeah. both my hands and just trying to stay in a really like good place. And yeah. you know, everyone would next morning, everyone was kind of hangover and they're like, oh, I was so funny last night and this and yeah. that. And I've never felt so out of something, but I knew I had to stay in in the kind of zone. And yeah. this producer, I mean, the, 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 it's. It, they're like really old school. It's like no one is working now, so I'm not bad mouthing yeah. anyone. But no. he was the one who was initiating a lot of the problems. Yeah. And, yes. And, yeah. And, and 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 on the last day of the of the job, we were all packing to go home. We we're all packing our rooms up, and he came and knocked on my door. And I, throughout the whole trip, I thought he thinks I'm such a like you know it, you know real like goody. <laughs> And I was just completely paranoid about this the whole time. And he came and knocked on my door and he said, oh, here I go. Are you, you ready to go soon? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And he said, I've got to say one thing to you, mate. He said, uh, this trip's been carnage, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. And he said, I can't tell you how amazing you've been, how you've one person I am not to worry about. You know, you've yeah. been like centered, calm, and just yeah. got on with your work and being, you know, good with everyone and good with everybody else and like help pull people together and stuff. And and all the time my head had been like, no, he thinks I'm boring. He thinks I'm, yeah. you know, I won't get this job again because I haven't been, you know, part of what's been going on. And it, it gave me a really big insight into myself and how, yeah. what a good effect I could have by just being myself and sticking to what I thought was right for me. Do you know what I mean? And that, that That's was a very really powerful useful. message for people, Gary. It's extremely yeah. powerful, that message. And it's even one that's just, you know, you just even help me with that one. Even now, after all this time, because it's something that I sometimes do. Even recently, I've, I've often I've often thought that, 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 you know, the burden of being the boring one or the, the burden of being the, you know, and then realising that people see it differently, that you're the one that they can rely on, you know. Um, well, yeah, and and the thing is, you know, it all becomes, it's all a lot of it's in your head, and it it, it becomes yeah. your stuff, doesn't yeah. it? Where, yeah. Whereas, you know, and that's the kind of the whole kind of mechanism for, mm. 
you know, drinking and drugs comes in, so you're getting out of your head, so you're not familiar with that constant overthinking, it was that mm. constant washing machine head going round and round and round, yeah. and it's just, it was so nice to kind of go home, and I felt like that was the one of the best things I'd achieved in my kind of yeah. short space of sobriety, was to be able to to just feel like I'd had that effect and it was a really big learning curve for me and I think that I really just stuck by that for the rest of my career you know in mm. terms of what I do now I'm just like well you know this is the way I've got to be it suits me it works for me I'm being real I'm being authentic and what you see is what you get here and and it's you know it's, it served me very very well and I think in the beginning as I said it wasn't about this message for me isn't about saying, you know, to be successful, you've got to be sober, you've got to live a clean yeah. life. Although it's not that at all. Everyone's no. like experience and different permutations of what they do is so different and, and such, such a personal experience. I'm just saying that it worked for me and yeah. I know it works. It has worked for other friends of mine working in the industry and, yeah. um, you know, but some other people can deal in the other way perfectly all right, you know, and it's, it's, cool. it's all, it's all good and it's all fine. And I'm the least judgmental of anybody, you yeah. know, uh, enjoying themselves and doing what they want to do. It just, just doesn't even come into my, mm. into my thinking. I'm just, I'm kind of happy to be around people who are having a good time and, you know, have a, have a good laugh, you know, and, you know, as you said, the humor part, this is yeah. just, for me, it's so important, you know. I mean, did you find that hairdressing kind of accelerated your yeah. your um, yeah. your journey into addiction? Well, of course, because what it was, you you said it early on. You you, you mentioned the fact that um, you was uncomfortable in your skin and yeah. this magic potion, and I see it as a magic potion. The best the best analogy I've ever, well, the best example of it was um, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. That that classic. Mm. You know, Robert Louis Stevenson died of alcoholism. Um, was never it was never described better than in that story of the potion that you know. And it started off where it gave him the confidence and went out, and then he turned into the monster. And you know, that's what that was. You know, this the thing is with drugs and alcohol, they really they, they really work. They're very effective. <laughs> now, some people don't get the side effects, and it's as simple as this. Some yeah. of us get the side effects, and we're the ones who develop the allergy. We can't add it. You know, like many people can eat seafood with impunity, um, but some people have a reaction to it that really is, is detrimental to them, and they generally don't keep mm. going back for a cheeky form cocktail. That's the thing, <laughs> you know. Um, they come back with the obsession. You know, they, yeah, and it's a simple, these things are so simple, but we make them complicated. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 but there's the difficulty, you know, that's the thing. And with an allergy, a seafood allergy or something like that, you don't get the obsession. You don't get society saying, well, no, you'd be all right now. You can have, you know, have a prawn sandwich, you'd be fine. You yeah. don't get that. And it's the one thing that, that, that we struggle with is the fact that society doesn't really understand why you can't have that and it, it, it it's fine look everyone knock yourself out you know yes you know get go to the cockle sheds do what you want but don't don't make me eat, don't don't keep offering me a, a prawn sandwich because i'm not fucking eating it you know and uh, and I, I i love um you know and i love the fact that you're doing it's so important that you're doing this gary because there's a hell of a lot of young creative wonderful hairdressers look up to you mm. and your work now there's be a, there'd be roughly 15% of them that have got the allergy we've got yeah cuz roughly it's 15% right um uh, and and they're the ones that maybe maybe are recognizing some things that are happening to them that are meaning that their life's getting out of control then yeah. maybe someone like Gary Gill admitting that he couldn't live like that will make them not change, question. We only, all we can do is make people question things. And with mm. questioning comes about change. You know, so yeah. that, that, that's all we can do. We cannot be the reform smoker. You know, we cannot be the the Baptist preacher. We cannot be the person who's, you know, 
Like, because the, the trouble with people like us is the more you tell us no, the more we'll say, well, we fucking will. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's not the approach to take. It, you know, it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be by attraction, you know, and that's sure. what I said. You've got, to, you've got to just draw people to the light and that sounds ponty, but it, it, it just means that yeah. you've got to make it attractive for them, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. That's all I ever say, you know, like, and I, but also be authentic. You said you said the word authentic quite a few times in what you're telling. Like authenticity is the most important thing, and it does take you ten years to find it because you, you you don't know. You've you know I spent forty four years not knowing who I was. I spent yeah. forty four years on this planet trying to be someone who I thought everyone wanted me to be, exactly. and it took me the following exactly. fourteen to yeah. just you know. Um, to get to the point where no, actually, this is, I think, this is it. And I'm even learning every day by day, hour by hour now, to find yeah. out who the, who the hell am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, what do I, I think, want? Yeah, I, I think that, that you've hit the nail on the head with that, Stuart. You know, that was exactly my experience spending, you know, three quarters of my life, even more, trying to find out who I was and trying to pretend I was something I wasn't. And, you know, during the 80s, you know, it was all yeah. going on. You know, yeah. it, it was like people had money, you know, everything was kind of new. And it felt, you know, we were coming out of that kind of, you know, downturn in the 70s. And I think, you know, everything was kind of, you know, buzzing and people were doing all sorts and it just went, it kind of, for me, you know, hitting that period of time in the 80s, it, it just kind of full, full throttle with, uh, with, you know, kind of me jumping on that train that led me to have to jump off it. But yeah. I think it's, I think it's so important what you say in terms of that percentage of people feeling like they may have that situation occurring in them and the amount of times you know I've been with people and you can tell when people are starting to question you more about it than they than other people naturally would that there's some kind of interest in you know people finding out how they can get better or if there's some kind of way to you know because I was constantly asking those questions to people who were, you know all of a sudden in that 10 year period where I knew I had to get sober I was constantly I'd be somewhere and someone would say oh I've been sober you know some, a lot of people were a lot more open about it I was never open about it so no. to be honest you so ashamed of, of it and but now it's like you know I'm so proud of it so much so that I'm really happy to talk to you about it like yeah this. yeah but you know, I was always, I could feel myself, you know, running into like sober people and kind of gravitating to them and being interested in what, what they were saying and how the journey was for them. And 99.5% of the time, the people's experience was just, you know, I remember what the cliche was, living a, um, above your wildest dreams. And people were... People were kind life of doing life beyond that. your wildest dreams. That, that's it, yeah. And that was <laughs> yeah. happening. And people looked like that was happening, you know. And you know, yeah. and I thought, God, I hated that cliche. Yeah. Um, five years ago, but now I'm really into it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So it kind of, I, I could feel that happening to me, being part of that fifteen percent who was always very curious. And I think I'm. I kind of mostly said this for the third time now. I'm so it's so important to me that this message is a message of kind of hope and strength for anybody, you know. Yeah. And I think as creatives, I think it's you know, there's for me I, as a creative, I kind of have the, it's a bit of a there's dark and light, you know, and it's a bit of a a blessing and a curse that darkness and lightness yeah. with with coming up with ideas and working in a, a very, very creative environment. There's definitely, you know, they, they, they say that, you know, creatives are, are, you know, have that kind of the reason they are creative, that their mind works in different ways. And there is that kind of, you know, it's, it can be very positive. But it can also be very negative, but it's always, you know, sobriety has allowed me to be, to work in the negative a lot more. I, I wouldn't have coped. I really wouldn't have coped with the, the kind of pressure of my current job. 
um, and the weight of expectation um, and that kind of constant need to, to deliver and be in a space where I'm setting a good example to a lot of the younger people I work for. I never, ever talk to them about it. They, no. You know, a lot of my team, my close team, they know about it. We never talk about it. All, the only way I can deliver a good message is just by constantly setting a good example with the person I am because I am sober and not, you know, going and keep referring back to that. It's not, that message is not important to me. It's yeah. the message of how it's made me and how I can see my position as a human being is to set a good example and be responsible. And, you know, I'm there for them if any of them ever need me to talk about anything, whether it's to do with anything like that or anything differently, you know, and that, that it feels so good to be in a place where, you know, you get to an age, which you, I'm sure you will uh, reflect that you have, a position to be able to put back into youth and sh and be a good example and not be that kind of you know crazy boss who's like oh aren't they a laugh because they do this that and the other and yeah. I've had bosses like that and it seemed quite impressive for a minute but you know at the end of the day they I just wanted security from from bosses I didn't want to be involved in their kind of mad their madness you know yeah. so you know that's that's kind of. I suppose my main message is for it to be, a good, you know, setting a good example of of being the best person that I can be. And if I'm doing that, I know that I'm hoping that that will reflect on people around me. You know, it, it certainly does, and you know, it's that it's that thing. You know, behaviour breeds behaviour, and uh, yes, you know, uh, and as well, you you, you can't do any more than me by example because you have to live yeah. this stuff you, you, it's not yeah. theory you've got to live it and by doing so you, you just you're going to inspire others Gary yeah that's true I mean you, you know you are doing the same thing with the haircuts for the homeless do you find that people who come as volunteers are people who've had addiction problems uh, it's a, obviously not all of them but, but, but it's often a very common thing or they, mm. they tend to, you know, I've had people who have had a real, someone close to them have been through something. Um, mm. It's often, it's what draws us to it, you know. Um, it, it's that thing of, I mean, many, many people have, as we've been chatting in the coffee <laughs> afterwards, is, you know, it's yeah. kind of, oh, well, you know, they're in the fellowship, or they, you know. Mm -hmm. But often it is that a loved one, you know, that uh, has been down that road and sometimes have lost them and, you know, it, it's just whatever spurs us on to do that. I think yeah. any, any, you know, anyone in any form of recovery, whatever that be, it all, the principles are all the same of, you know, if you want to, if you want to keep it, you have to give it away. So it's all about, um, you, yeah. you doing, that's, doing what yeah. you can for other people. And, and the rewards are, are, you know, that's why we're struggling at the moment because we're not able mm. to get out and get our, uh, our fix. Because our fix now is fixing, uh, helping other people fix themselves. So, you know, we, this is why it can be a struggle. Um, and we just have to do what we can. And so one thing we can do is have a chat, send it out yeah. there, and hopefully it can help someone. You know, yeah. I mean, even one I mean, person. Uh, it ripples yeah. out. I think what you just said about, you know, you've got to give it to, you know, get it back. And, you know, that's that's just so... That's so poignant for this conversation for me. Yeah. And that's how I felt so much. You know, I've thought quite a long time about doing this, but yeah, I feel, you know, I know I feel so good about this conversation that we've had. It yeah. feels very, very positive. And all these things, you know, like you, I'm sure you'll agree, Stuart, that it, it not only is uh, something that hopefully would help others, and even if it's that one person, but it also helps us. It's still part yeah. of our recovery to give mm. out something, isn't it? And you don't know how that will come back. But just the thought of the fact that you have put something out there that mm. may just spark someone into thinking, I want to do that, it's just so powerful, isn't it? It's, it's nothing else, Gary, today we've helped two people. That's me and yes. you. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> nothing else. <laughs> Did you help me? And I hope I've helped you. Yes, you have very much, Stuart. Every time I hear you speak, I, I'm very, I, I feel helped by you. So, and I, you know, as I said to you in the last thing, I think what you do with haircuts at home is just, just Thank you. incredible. And, you know, I mean, how, how are things? What, what's the situation? You know, when do you see yourself being able to get back to, the job that you do so well well it's looking not and not until july but unfortunately yeah. as is such a, a unique thing that that we you know the tap isn't going to get turned on immediately so we've got lots of preparation to do um mm -hmm. in the meantime um the thing that's happened recently is that uh, the government helped with a fund to get everyone inside um, but that's yes. actually just stopped this weekend so people are going outside um so a lot of the people that are, are still functioning, some of the projects are now going to try and have to get them supplies. Um, funny enough, I've just been approached and we've we've got 100 kits coming and they include um, all sorts of things for the guys. So um, I'll be getting a, a van out this week and going, I've got to pick mine up from Luton. We've got, uh, they chose us to, to, to help because we've got the infrastructure of the people around the country. But it's, it's that little thing you can do, you know, at the moment. But what we do, I, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I could have made that a lot shorter. I don't know, no, Gary. It's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You know, know, we mate. have to make everything complicated. It's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I do when you say Yeah, and that's all we can do, isn't it? And when you say getting kits out, what you mean who... Who are those going to? To the to the guys um, who come to the centre, the girls. And yeah, the, yeah. You know, the these these, the these kits for people who are at street homeless. So, right. um, and unfortunately, whereas a lot of the street homeless were taken, in, were, were inside because the government gave some money for them to go into travel lodges and places like that. Yeah, uh, that's been stopped this this week. And and I know my contact in Milton Keynes spoke to this morning. Um, already, a lot of them uh, have been asked to leave already. So, right. and she said there's a massive, uh, she, she saw today that, that, and she said there was more women that she's ever seen before, uh, for some yeah, reason as that's well. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we, 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 um, we'll get there as soon as we can, um, but we've, we've obviously, because of the situations we have, uh, we're not going to, like I say, it's not going to be like overnight, we're not going to just, oh, right, as from July 4th, we, we crack on. Yeah, it's gonna. I think it's gonna sort of drip feedback out again. Yeah, and right. um, yeah. we, you know, we we reestablish the links we had, and uh, whereas we had plans to go forward with lots more growth and opening new ones, we've we've got to then firstly we've got to go back and shore up the existing projects and get them, get them restarted and reevaluated. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of work to do. But uh, I just can't wait to get my sleeves rolled up, mate, and get on with it. Sure, to be honest. sure. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I wish. You. Yeah, you're coming. Really, you're coming as soon as we're out. I will, oh, you're going to come. I will, I know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there, yeah. and I'm not. It's not an empty. Oh, I know. I mean it. You know, I mean, it, I know, um, I know you enough now, Gary. There aren't empty promises when it comes from <laughs> Gary Gill. <laughs> I do love a, I do, I do love a person of action. We all mean well, but um, yeah. God, God said, uh, you know, like it's faith moves mountains, but it's always best to bring a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're full of them, aren't you? I love that. I'm full of rubbish. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. You can, I, I love that. It's great. It's great. That's my favourite. Yeah, very yeah. You know, mountains, but you've got to bring a shovel. That's, it's what that's you that's said. It's that work. It's, it's about great. action, you know. And yeah. uh, but Gary. Um, you know, because uh, I want to, we'll keep it a bit shorter than the last one, so the producer hasn't got to do so much work. But, because um, you know, I could talk all day, but I, I'm so grateful that you've done this. I really feel honoured that you've, you, you, you've shared this with me today, and um, it, it's been a privilege to listen to yourself. Well, uh, you know, the, the feeling is mutual, Stuart, and yeah. I, you know, I really I feel so uh, happy to have kind of shared it through your platform of Haircuts for the So I believe yeah. in what you do so much. And um, I think it's amazing. I think you're amazing. And I just, I, I feel, you know, I, as I said, you know, I was nervous, but I feel like it was, yeah. it's been the only yeah. platform that I've been able to do it and feel yeah. really, really confident that the, the message is being talked about and really kind of honest. And, you know, as we said, 
with a bit of humour. Yeah. You know? So yeah. important. Thanks so, for that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. A privilege and honour yeah. for me too. Thank, thank you, Gary. Thank you very much. And um, I hope to see you in the flesh very soon. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. See you soon, Gary. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks, you. Bye-bye. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling. 